I was so used to winning Super Bowls because after winning three Super Bowls, then I lost one with the Raiders. I think I learned more from that loss than from all the Super Bowls that I won. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Youth Inc. Brought to you by Audiorama and our proud sponsor, Invisalign. The NFL Combine just completed. And for any of you guys that are on social media, I'm sure your feeds were just flooded with 40-yard dash times, hand size, speculation, interviews. You know, every fan base just loses their mind every time they, they have one of their local beat reporters report. You know, the Panthers met with this quarterback, but they didn't meet with the other quarterbacks. So, you know, this team's projected to draft the defensive line. The, the NFL draft and the NFL combine is just a really bizarre world. You know, I think back to coming out of Miami in 2007. I stayed down, stayed down in Miami and trained at a really cool place called Bomberito Performance Systems and met some great people. And every single day, the emphasis was on training, nutrition, what workouts you could do, how do you get faster, how do you increase your 225 bench press and your vertical jump, your sit and reach. You, were, you weren't preparing to play football. And I think that was the part that you know, everyone told me, but I think that was the part that once I got into the training, I realized pretty quickly, like, this is very different than anything I've ever done. You know, all my time as a kid and all my time in, in Miami in college, everything was geared around being a better football player and now for three months of my life, that came to a pause, and everything I did revolved around being really good at the combine. You know, so for any of you guys that, that follow the combine or have followed it in years past or just followed it from, the, from a few weeks ago, you know, you run a 40-yard dash, you do a 225 bench press, you do these different shuttle agility runs, your vertical jump, your broad jump, and you do it all in front in Indianapolis on the field with hundreds of eyeballs, scouts coaches, media, and every aspect of your workout is, is just under a magnifying glass and evaluated to the nuance. And I think the question has always been, what is the value of the combine? You know, you saw, Rob, you saw Robert Sala, the, the, the coach of the Jets, longtime uh, defensive coordinator, you know, started in Seattle, built his resume there. Then, of course, the last stop, he was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco with the 49ers. He's now the head coach of the Jets. His staff didn't even go. You know, they didn't go watch a lot of it. They didn't think all, area, you know, all aspects of the combine were relevant to what their draft process looks like and their evaluation process looks like. And that's really always been the debate. Can you judge an NFL prospect and what their career is going to look like just watching them do Designed events, run through cones, step over bags, no equipment, no helmet, nothing on a field that's all been very rehearsed. For three months, they practiced that one cone drill. For three months, they practiced the 40-yard dash. They'll never run a 40-yard dash again in their life. They will never get in that stance like a track star and put their hand down and lift their butt up and run with laser beams timing how fast they run 40. They'll never do it again. They might never run in a true dead, dread, dead sprint with their eyes forward for 10 years. Yet this is the antiquated model that we have seen for teams to invest millions of dollars into whether I potentially add you to my roster on my quest to win a Super Bowl. And I just find the entire thing so fascinating. But at the root of the combine, the one aspect of it that never changes 
and will never change. You're going to always train for different things, but you're always going to train. And I think that component to the combine is where the beauty is. So much of what I always believed the combine was is teams didn't necessarily want to see how fast you ran or how high you jumped. They can tell which guy showed up to the combine and treated the previous three months of training seriously. I always think that's what the teams are looking for. And you can tell quickly. You can tell the guy that's been grinding. You can tell the guy that's been in the gym working on his stance, working on his start, working on his body, his nutrition. You can tell by how they look. It's very clear who takes it serious and who doesn't. And I always thought that was the evaluation. Training, work ethic, the hunger to continue to get better in your craft is the backbone and the core of every single great player. And that's not unique to the NFL. You know, we saw a video this week of Ja Morant on, on SportsCenter uh, on, on Instagram of videos of Ja Morant, the, the basketball star in the NBA, as a teenager doing all these crazy plyometrics with bands. And he was jumping back and forth on these big tires. And here you had this 16, 17-year-old kid who now we all take for granted, oh, he's so talented. He jumps so high. Every night on SportsCenter, you see a different highlight. But what you don't see is the, the, the core of his being and the reason why he's gotten to the level he has is, yes, he's been blessed with incredible ability. Yes, he's been blessed with, with opportunities. But he was blessed with a hunger from a young age that he was never going to allow anybody to outwork him. And to see that at such a young age and to see that with such a young child is what gets me excited. You know, we spend a lot of time coaching these young kids. You know, I spend a lot of time coaching youth sports back here in Charlotte. And something we try to implement into these kids, I try to implement it with my own young children, is that hunger to continue to push yourself to get better. And the physical component of that, alongside with the mental training and the mental component, the earlier they can learn that and the earlier you can implement that into their lives, the more natural it feels, the more routine the more it's built into their daily lives. It's not a chore. It's not something you have to convince them to do. You know, I think we're starting to see the, the, you know, how we train young kids is really starting to, to change. There's really a specialization component to it. When I was growing up, there was speed and conditioning, and there was weightlifting. Now, ja, the Ja Morants of the world, there's a 16-year-old kid somewhere, Chicago, New York, Miller, Iowa. Who, you don't know where he is. And not only is he doing the same drills we saw John Morant doing, the plyometrics, the strength and conditioning, the speed, he's working with a shooting instructor. He's working with a dribbling instructor. He's working with whatever his local area, whatever resources that are at his disposal. Families are sacrificing huge aspects of their life to provide their children at the youngest of ages, eight, nine, 10 years old, with sports-specific skill development coaches. And that's a new world. So we're just seeing this investment into children, training, sports specialization, family sacrifice. And our next conversation is, is somebody that I don't think, whether you're a football fan or not, I don't think the Jerry Rice name needs a lot of explanation. But the, the part of the story that really stuck to me was when you think of Jerry Rice, you think of those videos online of him running the hills out in California. He kind of started that trend of hill running and training. Listening to him talk about when he was a kid, his training to catch the ball, he said there might not be, 
It might not be exactly true, but the, the stories of him with his father, the bricklayer, catching bricks that his brother would drop off the top of the roof, and that's where he developed his strong hands. This conversation with Jerry was a, was a, a dream of mine. He was my favorite player growing up. I lived in North Jersey, but for some reason I ended up a San Francisco 49er fan, and he was my hero. I had every jersey, the throwbacks, white, the reds, every year under Christmas. Man, I wanted a Jerry Rice jersey. So much of what Jerry represents I could relate to. Now, of course, I didn't have the career of Jerry, but his work ethic, his commitment to never being outdone. He was not the most physically gifted. He wasn't the most highly recruited, but he never let anyone define him. His work ethic, his training habits, the way his diligence that he cared for his body and his craft allowed him to be arguably the greatest NFL football player of all time. So a conversation that we are so excited to present you. We had it back at the Super Bowl a few weeks back. We did it at NFL Experience. There was a live studio audience. There was great energy. There was fan interaction. Jerry loved it. He opened up to us to share his perspective, not only on his upbringing and his experience with youth sports, but also his experience as a father, raising four children. Two of them went on to play college football. Two boys, two girls. A lot of really interesting perspective that he brought as a father as a youth coach, maybe one day a college coach. He said he'd dance around with that a little bit with his boy Dion. But we are so proud to pre present our next episode of You Think, brought to you by Audiorama and our friends at Invisalign, a conversation with Jerry Rice right after this break. Well, well this, this is a real treat for me. So I grew up in, uh, in North Jersey, somehow right in the middle of Giants country. In your, in your prime, in your day. I grew up a San Francisco 49er fan, diehard. My brother was a Dallas Cowboy fan. And so for me to come full circle now, for about five Christmases in a row, a Jerry Rice jersey had to be under the what? tree. I'm telling I'm not just telling you because I'm sitting next to you. My mom's got pictures, I'll send them to you. <laughs> uh, between you and Steve Young, the starter jackets, I mean, that was the, that was the era. So to be sitting here and talking to you and reflect back about my childhood, your childhood. So much of my childhood was watching you and emulating you. The fact that you're sitting here with me today, I really appreciate. And this is this is a big deal for me as a kid who grew up a Jerry Rice fan. Well, so I really appreciate that. Thank you so well, much, I man. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, somehow in the world of the New York Giants in North Jersey, <laughs> I somehow escaped to be a San Francisco 49er fan. Well, I'm, I'm not going to rehash your, your resume. We're actually not here to talk about you potentially being the greatest football player of all time. The, and and, and we, we all... <laughs> hey, you guys are all goats. You guys are all goats, man. <laughs> so, you know, the Super Bowls, the resume, the records. I'm actually here today to talk about being a father, raising young children in the world of youth sports, the complicated world, and, and so much of the story of this show and the arc of this show is not only digesting what that landscape looks like today, but how does it compare and contrast to our childhood? So I'd love you to take us back to Jerry Rice as a young kid growing up in Mississippi. Oh my God. What does the youth sports experience look like for you? Okay, my childhood, guys. I was like this nerdy guy with humongous hands. <laughs> Big feet. I was this nerdy guy, and I had no intention on playing sports. Uh, and I remember one day, and, and hey, the little ones, 
you guys can't do this. I was playing hooky one day. I didn't want to go to class. <laughs> so I decided to hide out behind this building. And I didn't know the principal, he was making his rounds. He walked up behind me, scared me, noticed I could run really fast. <laughs> so I get disciplined a certain way in Mississippi. I got 10 lashes. He wanted me to go out for the football team. I go out for the football team. I'm not the most gifted, but I felt if I really work at this, you know, if I work at it, maybe I could become a starter. And I worked at it, I became a starter. Then after that, everything else is just, it's just history, man, because I poured my soul into trying to be the best athlete that I could possibly be. I feel like your principal needs to get into uh, scouting. I, 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 think, I know, I, think I know. I think your principal saw something unique, and, and you touched on it. I've heard you reflect on your childhood and your father working as a bricklayer and what work ethic meant to you. And for anyone who followed your career like I did, the, the famous video of you running the hills, you, you touched on it. Maybe not the most athletic, maybe not the 4-4 guy, but no one outworked you. Where, where does that work ethic come from? And, and did it start in those days running away from your principal or being with your father working? I think that work ethic came from my parents. You know, my father, he was a bricklayer, and my father would take me to work with him during the summer. We would start around 7 o'clock. You know, it's like 115 degrees outside. I get done about 4 o'clock. Uh, my brothers and I... I would be up on the scaffold and they would toss the bricks up and I would just snatch them out of the air just like that. So there's that myth about me learning how to catch football from catching bricks, and it's, and which is not true. To, it's not true. Oh, man, I thought no. you were going to tell us it was true. No, 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 because if you miss, miss a brick and you're 20 feet in the air, you're going to come tumbling down. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I got that from my parents and my, my father would, uh, like I said, take me to work. He would drop me off at school around four o'clock I would practice for about two hours football then I didn't have transportation I would run about five miles home so I didn't know I was conditioning myself for something that was going to be really special but I was getting ready for something and and how much of that did your parents have to push you like there's there's this struggle today that we all we talked off stage as parents that a lot of people are going through it's that balance between encouragement pushing your child right. to follow his passion, but also certain kids just being inherently curious, inherently hardworking. Where, where were you on that spectrum? Did anyone have to really kick you to force you, or were you always that guy? You know what, my parents really didn't have to push me because I wanted to make life better for my parents. And, and that was the opportunity of a lifetime for me. If I made it to professional football, the first thing I told my mom, I said, look, the second I sign that contract, I'm gonna buy you a new house. So the second I, uh, I signed the contract, I was able to deliver that way. So that was the incentive for me. Uh, but I just had that drive, guys. You, you, you know what? If you love something, you're going to pour your heart into it. And, and I just worked every day. And, and I was not the most conditioned. Well, I, I was not the most uh, talented wide receiver. But one thing that I was going to do, I was going to outwork you. I was going to do the little things that, that was going to separate me uh, you know, from the other guy that was more talented. And that's just like if catching the ball five yards slant, 95 yards. And I would do that every time. Now you have done that every, every practice. Now doing a game, you don't think about it. It's just a reaction. So preparation was everything for me. Yeah, it's funny. When, when we coach our, we, we coach a lot of youth teams back, ho back home and we try to teach them at a young age that how you do some things are how you do everything. Right? You, your brain doesn't know the difference right. between this is the most important rep 
oh, this is just a Wednesday practice. This is not, this isn't the most important. But all of a sudden, it's Sunday, and it is the most important. Your brain doesn't know the difference. So, if I'm a young, if I'm coaching a young Jerry Rice, what was that experience like? What 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 would your high school football coach say about that experience coaching a young? Well, well I think my high school football coach, he was really tough on me, uh, you know, because he saw the potential, and uh, so he 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 was uh, he was pushing me just a little bit harder. And I'm very thankful for that because in Mississippi, guys, there's not that much to do. You know, <laughs> you know, you avoid all the trouble. Uh, you know, you go to school, then you go home. You don't hang out in certain places and stuff like that. So, you know, for him to see that in me where I could be successful and, uh, and, and really give me the confidence that I really need to... Uh, be successful in life is just something I'll never forget. And I looked at him also, he was like my father. And same, just like Bill Walsh, when I went to the San Francisco 49ers, that was my second father. And uh, Bill, he saw in me something that was really special, man, because he gave me the opportunity to play the greatest game ever. Right? Right. <laughs> okay, do we have Bengals fans here? Do we have Rams? What about Niners? What about Patriots? Raiders? <laughs> it, it, it's a little bit. I, a little bears. Yeah, I'll give you that. What, Cowboys? Any, any Panthers? Okay. Not as many. <laughs> we haven't been good for a while. But it's cool to hear you talk about your high school coach and the impact he had. My father was my high school coach. Okay. He coached for over 40 years, public school, high school football in New Jersey. All of my brothers and I, we all played for him. So growing up for me, everyone says, you know, when did you want to be a professional athlete? I didn't even think about being a college athlete. My dream as a young boy, when I was the water boy on a Friday night, my dream was one day, could I be good enough to play for my dad at this public high school in New Jersey? Like, and I think back on those days, and it's why I'm still so passionate now pursuing this with my own kids, and, and I would love to hear your perspective. The impact a youth sports coach, a high school coach, a Pop Warner, whatever the sport may be, the impact those guys have on young kids last their entire life. We have Jerry Rice sitting here, and in the same sentence of his high school football coach, you mentioned Bill Walsh. That's, yeah, incre that's incredible. I think life lessons, uh, you know, you can learn from football, and these uh, youth coaches, they're doing a fantastic job. And, you know, we were talking about, it, about this earlier, you know, with my kids. I was one of those uh, fathers that pretty much just sat back and I supported my, uh, my kids. Uh, now, if they wanted to ask me, well, hey, look, like my son, if he wanted to ask me, hey, dad, what about this route? That's when I would voice my opinion. You know, and I, I, I just took a back seat when it came to that because I didn't want to uh, really be overbearing, you know, where all of a sudden, uh, now your son doesn't want to actually play the game so, you know, I have seen a lot of parents do that. It happens all the time, but I was one of the guys that would just sit in the stands and just cheer my, my son on. Then once we got home or something like that, you know, I would have a talk with him about certain routes and in certain place. Well, it's a great transition because I want to talk about your parenting style as it relates specifically to uh, youth sports. You raised two sons, two daughters. But let me ask you this. 
Would you have been offended if, if, I'm, if your son went to someone else for route running advice? Was that allowed? I mean, when your dad's Jerry Rice, can you ask somebody else? <laughs> wait, wait. Well, what are you saying I, I, to me, I don't know. Man. I'm asking you That's for, not. I don't know. If, all right, let's put okay. it this way. If I'm your son's high school football coach. Oh, yeah. Okay. How do I coach Jerry Rice? How do I coach Jerry Rice's son route, to run a dig route, and at night he goes home, and I'm like, man, that's a different dad now. I'm not usually worried about the dads, but <laughs> that's a different father. How, what is that like? So you really want me to answer that? Yes, please. No, seriously, I don't have a problem with that. Okay. And uh, the thing about me, too, I think when I uh, – when I came into the league, I learned from the best, uh, Dwight Clark. Then you had Freddie Solomon. Then I had coaches also that, um, after I had really established myself, certain coaches would come in, and at first they were intimidated. They were like, what can I tell Jerry Rice? You know, how can I coach him? And I would go to those guys and say, hey, look, I need you to coach me. I want to get better. So I always left that Rotodex open. Yeah you know, for knowledge, and, and, and I think that's why I played the game for such a long time. Yeah, but I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, and neither do I, and, and I think it's interesting because I think there's a little bit of a parallel. The communication to share with that person, was there any sort of communication? Did you feel that you needed to approach their you know, youth sports coach or their high school football coach and say, hey, I understand what comes with the territory. You need to, he, my son needs to be coached by you. Like, is there that level of communication to say to this, so this high school coach understands, he realizes oh, oh yeah. you're just the father and you're not looking over his shoulder? Like, was that a conversation you would go out of your way to have? Well, if I felt like my son was not giving 100% okay. and he was just going through the motions, yeah, I, I would pull that uh, youth coach aside and not say it out loud or anything like that, just whisper it in his ear that, hey, I need you to push him a little bit harder. Because that's really what happened to me. Yeah. I, I mean, man, you would not believe uh, how I trained, the hill I used to run. I never got out of shape in 20 years. Look, I'm still not out of shape. It's yeah, me either. That, that's really just part of me. And, and, and it, it's like, it's one of those things where you got to really love doing. Yeah. So yeah, you know, you know, just pull them aside. That's just like, say a rookie that comes into training camp yeah you see this rookie not living up to the standard that you know the team pretty much have uh have uh well let's just say the 49ers had a standard and when i first came in i noticed something that was really weird the coach the way he would walk into a room how he would own that room then you had the owner, he was the greatest owner ever, and there was a certain standard, San Francisco 49ers. The way we practiced, the way we played, everything. If you could not live up to that standard, a veteran would pull that rookie aside and say, hey look, we need more from you. And that little extra push, that little uh, extra incentive right there, I, I think it really gave them what they needed to uh, become a, a great football That's, player. It's, it's so important. And, and I guess my follow-up to that was, was there a standard that you held your kids to, to be a Rice? Oh, yes. What was that standard? What, what were the values that you and your wife valued raising your kids, 
what meant the most to you? What would you I, I, say the standard of the Rice family was? I think uh, be uh, respectful. Uh, say yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh, also, always give 100%. And I think there's going to be failure, guys. That's just part of life. Now, that was something that really pushed me throughout my career because I never wanted to let you guys down. That was important. That was important to me. Because if you came to a game and you paid your money, I wanted you to witness something special on that day where you walk out of that stadium and you say to yourself, man, did you see that? Did you see exactly how he caught that ball? Did you see how he finished that play? So that, that was important to me. And, you know, my, my kids, they know that I'm going to love them to death. But if I see you doing wrong and you're not giving 100%, we got a problem. And, and what did that accountability look like? You know, I, I, I talked to somebody about this the other day. They always talk about the car ride home with your dad. After a good game versus a bad game, I, I'll be honest. I've no. had some car ride homes, both as a kid what? growing up, what? that I remember. Hold on, hold on. I'm <laughs> I can see in his face he doesn't want to answer this question. I'll, I'll, I'll preface it by saying there's a lot of ride homes from games that I'm not proud of, that I probably should have handled better. What did accountability look like for you and all of your children? What was that car ride home no, like? No, my kids knew if I was quiet, we got a problem. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. You know, as long as uh, it's not about winning all the time, nope. and, and, and we had this discussion too. I think I was so used to winning Super Bowls because after winning three Super Bowls, then I lost one with the Raiders. I think I learned more from that loss than from all the Super Bowls that I won because you still have to be a professional. You still got to meet family members. You still got to give the media what they want. So that, you know, there's a certain standard that comes along with that. There's no question. But yeah, it's very quiet. And then once I got, you know, once I got home, then everything started to come back. And, uh, you know, I would say conversation-wise, you know, be supportive. Yep. You know, be honest about the situation. If, if, uh, if my son didn't play well, and, and I know a lot of people say, well, it's not about how you play and stuff like that. But... I think that plays a big part. No question. And you have to own up to it. And when your kids can do that, then they know that, hey, the next time they go out on the football field or whatever they're doing in life, you know, they just got to work a little bit harder. Yeah. And I think expectations are so important. You know, we, we were talking backstage. There's different expectations for different kids. There's different levels of interest for different kids. And yeah. I think part of the, the, the balance of being a parent, at least in my perspective, is identifying those expectations and meet them appropriately based on the needs of each child, setting those standards, you talked about setting those standards, setting those expectations, and then when they fall short of those expectations, and, I, and, and to your point, I don't base it on how many points they score, how many touchdowns, there's an attitude, there's a respect, there's a sportsmanship, there's an effort, those are the standards that I talk to my kids about. And if they don't meet one of those standards in the game, they're gonna catch an earful. They drop a fly ball, 
they strike yeah, out, that, that I can live with that. That happens. Yeah. If you're going to strike out and you're going to bang your helmet on the ground and your coach is going to have to pull you aside to talk to you, we're going to have a problem. Like, you know what I mean? So I think there is a level of expectations that get communicated. And they know, and now, and I'm sure your kid's the same way, my kid knows when the car ride home is not going to be great. They can self-police themselves a little bit, <laughs> you know? And I think that's, that's yeah, part of it. You know, the hardest thing for me is, like, when, uh, when I first came into the league and losing ball games. I mean, because I'm, I'm a totally different person when you lose ball games. Because I'm quiet. I'm processing. I'm thinking about, you know, maybe I, I should have ran this route a little bit different. Maybe I could have made that catch. Maybe I... You know, I could have made that block or something like that. So I'm playing the game over my head, and I'm real quiet. So my family pretty much knew, hey, stay away from dad right now. But eventually, once he gets home, he's just going to be old, you know, just going to be dad all over again. Has there ever been a moment with, with any of your children where you sat back and you, sit and you saw a little bit of yourself, whether it was in how they handled the great moment, handled the bad moment, Maybe a little I, mannerism no, on the no, field. No, Did you, you ever have what? that I, moment? I see a lot of that. Yeah. I see a lot of that. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. As but, a parent. You, you know, my thing, too, is, uh, you know, keeping the composure, setting the right example. And, and just like what you were saying, you know, slamming the bat down or, you know, taking your helmet off, throwing it on the ground or something like that. I, I was always the type that you, you got to set a certain standard and you got to have that composure. That's just like, you know, the night before a Super Bowl. I mean, you can get completely drained just thinking about the game, playing the game over and over in your head. Uh, but, you know, it's like once you take that field, it's yeah. time to go play yeah. and, and that, try to win that game. My, my style was always a little different. Like what drove me as a player was always it was never good enough the constant pursuit of something that was just beyond my reach. That was fear of failure. Almost. The fear of failure, right? That, that, and and it motivated it. me almost to an obsessive place. And it was very good when you want to play in the NFL. Those, that attitude and that approach is not a great approach to bring to a nine-year-old baseball game. <laughs> no, no. And that's been, I'll be honest, but, in full transparency, that's been something that I've had, like, that suited me so well for so long. No, no, but I'm you curious. Know? When you had a game, what do you do? Do you just sit back and you just watch? No. Or, what do you do? If No, no. I should say, I coach the I So far, they're young. I've coached a lot of their teams. Okay. So I have no choice but to be – I'll give you real quick. My coaching philosophy is the teams that I coach, number one, you're going to learn to do things the right way. Win, lose, draw. You are going to learn to catch a fly ball. You're going to learn to field the right way, throw, catch – you're going to learn the fundamentals to do it right. And we might struggle for the near future and lose as a result. But we're going to do it right, the right, the right over way. and over. Okay. And if you don't, whether you're 8, 9, or 12, I'm going to hold you accountable for it. That's been my style. That's what I believe in. At the games that I don't coach my son, which is now my older son's playing on a team that I don't coach, I've really enjoyed it. I can go now to the fields and be there for one kid primarily, and then the team as a whole. In the past, I had to split myself up 12 ways. And That's, I feel like okay, as a result, okay. I would overcompensate to say I'm not favoriting, I'm not giving favoritism to my own son, and I would almost take that out on him. So the ability that I'm not responsible for the team, and I could just be there to, to be there for him, 
has been really nice for me. That is so cool, Dwayne. I've enjoyed that. I mean, you just sit there and just be a parent. It's really cool. Yeah. And you live and die with every play. Yeah, oh, my I God. Because, yeah, because you want them to be successful. You, you, you want them, you know? You almost want it so bad that you, like, it kills you, right? All right, so you're sitting you're sitting there watching your, your kids play high school sports. You're watching your son play in a, in a big high school game, and you're up in the bleachers. You're minding your own business. Are you a wreck? Are you calm? Are you living and dying with every play? Hey, I'm living and dying. Yeah. No, be, be, because I want him to be successful, you know, uh, my sons, my daughters, all of yeah, that. Yeah, of course. And it's just like, man, it's like, you know, if he's running that go route, the ball is up in the air, and I'm watching that oh. ball, and I'm slowing <laughs> that ball down, and, and I watch him, you know, make that catch or something like that, I'm like, you know, that's oh, it, man. There's nothing better. It makes you feel good. You know? Seeing your kids succeed at anything. We, we Again, we talked before the show. I have a daughter who's into, uh, you know, she's into sports a little bit, but she has a lot of other interests. I know you have two daughters that now work with you in your business. Like, just seeing your kids succeed at whatever they're passionate about, that's all it is. That's, that's all you want. And it, no question. And, and a lot of those lessons you, are learned as kids in sports, but then they turn into something else as they get older. You know, you can't even put a price on that. So, you know, I... Uh, I think I learned from my parents, uh, you know, how to raise uh, raise your kids and stuff like that. Yep. You know, you give them that you give them that love, then you give them that tough love too. Yep. And you just want to put them in a position where they could be successful in life. And uh, I have, you know, four incredible kids. It's amazing. I know, and and all doing different things at different levels, and it's really special. That's where you probably sit back. I I hope one day to be in that position where you can look back on your kids and be like. We didn't do it all right, but we did a lot right, and now they're all good kids. I think yeah. that's every parent's dream, right? And plus my kids, they don't think of me as being Jerry Rice, which is this football player. And how, and how nice <laughs> you is know, that? You know, this guy, and I love it. Yeah. I love it because yeah. you can just, you know, you can just be yourself. Yeah, and that's and, special. And when people say, well, you know, Jerry, you're the greatest to ever play the game, guys. Look, I never, I never thought of myself as being the greatest. I just had the opportunity to play the greatest game ever and for the greatest fans ever. And that's just something I'll never forget. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more things before we wrap up. Again, I appreciate This has been an awesome conversation. One of your former rivals, former teammate, Deion Sanders. He's made quite the impact on the college coaching landscape, so I'm putting you on the spot right now. A team comes calling, and they want Jerry Rice to coach their team. College, It's whatever. gonna be just like old times. We're gonna be going after each other So again. you would do it? Yes, I'm, yes, of All course. Right, we need to get no, this no, in the works. Ahead. We need yeah. to get that in the works. We need a, we need a Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders college but bowl game. I gotta tell you, with uh, Deion Sanders, what he's doing for uh, you know HBCUs yeah. and stuff yeah. like that is incredible. It's amazing. I think they got the, the, the number one yep. prospect already. Then you got Eddie George uh, at Tennessee State. And uh, the SWAC and the SWAC is something different, guys. I'm, I'm going to tell you guys because we, we didn't get as much recognition as these major schools like USC, Notre Dame, and all those guys. And I remember a coach coming out to talk to me face-to-face -face, uh, from Mississippi Valley State, and he shook my hand. And that's the reason why I went to Mississippi uh, Valley State because, you know, just to have a coach to do that, I feel like I could really trust that guy. And I go to uh, this predominant black school, very small, and get drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. Think about that, guys. That's that's amazing. You know, so now you get all of these top uh, prospects
to go to these smaller schools and they still can uh, make it to the pros and be successful. All right, so let's say that phone rings and you accept the job and you're coaching. No, hold on, hold on, stay with me. <laughs> yeah. uh, What's, what is Jerry Rice's coaching style? Now, these are older kids, they're still amateurs, sort of. I don't know. That's a whole no, other conversation. No, you know, you know, that's, that's a whole other conversation. Why, that's probably why I haven't gone into coaching because I'm old school. I mean, there's going to be certain, uh, you know, there's going to be rules, regulations, how you practice, how you represent the team, uh, how you conduct yourself, how you wear that uniform, everything. It has to be that. So can, I'm, I'm like a little. Can old that school. survive in today's day and age? Can that style work in today's modern college football? No, you know, to be honest with you, I, I think you can't coach uh, like those gladiators anymore. It's tough, right? These players are different now. It is. I mean, yeah. these guys are making millions of dollars coming out of high school and NIL deals and the transfer portal. Oh. And, and you've lived it. Your, yeah. your sons have played. I mean, it's a different world now. And, and, and you got all this social media stuff, too. So it's, it's it a never ends. world. Yeah. It never ends. I'm glad we didn't have social media. media <laughs> you and me both. Well, I sort of had it, but not, not in college. <laughs> no, Thank you, God. You must Thank God, not in college. It's, that stuff started getting big when I was thankfully out of college. Yeah. But that's, a, that's another episode. I got three things before you go, and we're going to wrap it up again. This has been incredible. What would you think what, – what do you know now about youth sports – having gone through it as a parent, having gone through it as long as you have, that you wish you knew when you were going through it in your childhood? God, you know what? I, I would say that, you know, for me, youth sports, the role that, that it plays to uh, these young kids. And I'll, I'll never forget it because I, I never, like I said, I didn't play uh, – until I was in high school. But, you know, these kids that, that pretty much that have that dream to want to play professional football or any other type of sports and stuff like that, you know, how they can ingrain in these kids, you know, about, uh, you know, different, uh, I would say probably different lessons is amazing. Yep, and they can carry with Be, them because, forever. Because the thing too, if you give them the right foundation, you know they're going to be successful in life. And even if it doesn't have to do with sports, absolutely. You know they can apply that to uh, yeah. you know whatever they're doing. It's not about the sports long term. It's about what can the sports in the immediate future, you know, in the immediate term as young kids do for them and their right. development and their growth over time. I think that's really important. Um, what would you tell, if you had to pick one piece of advice that you would tell a current parent operating in a current youth sports environment, one piece of perspective experience, what would it be? Just be there for support and be a parent and listen to your kids, you know, because your kids going to tell you exactly, you know, what they want you to know. It's just how you react to it and, and, and how you have a conversation about it. So I was always a good listener. And, you know, like my son that played at UCLA, you know, he would have a game or something like that where he felt like he didn't play well. And we would just sit down and we'd have a conversation about it. And I never felt like I played the greatest game. I mean, yeah. ever. I, I, you know, not the greatest game. Well, I played the greatest sport ever. But I never played the perfect game. The perfect game. game. And that was always something I was looking for. Yeah. But I could always find something, guys. You know, I, I could have a game where I have 10 receptions, 
over, you know, five touchdowns, over 200 some yards, and I go back and look at that film, a block. I didn't make that block, and and that's you know, and I didn't have that perfect game. But it's funny because, and then I just have one more thing. But it's funny you bring that up. My best ever career game. I had like 180 something yards. Monday Night Football. We we ended up losing. I come into the lobby to see my family. My wife's happy. My mom, like you know, obviously we lost, but like what a game. My dad shakes my hand, gives me a hug, and they never stop being your dad. They never stop being right. your coach. I dropped the ball in the third quarter on third down on the sideline. Now, mind you, I had nine catches. They threw me 10 at 180 some yards. Yeah. My dad goes, great game. What happened on that ball on the sideline? I'm like, man. You know what? Like, yeah. Yeah. That stuck with me my right. whole life. So to your point, like, it was never perfect. And it was never going to be perfect, but striving for that perfection yeah. is what always motivated. I, I can relate to that. I got one more question for you. What do you see the future of youth sports? Challenges, good and the bad. Like, where? What do you see from your per- point of view now, looking forward into the future? Where do you see youth sports going? You know, I think it's just going to continue to get better, and you know, with the right coaching, and just you know, giving these kids an opportunity to uh, showcase their abilities and stuff like that. You know, even like I said, if it's not in sports, it's just in, uh, in just normal life. So, you know, I, uh, I'm thankful that I have had the opportunity to be around my kids and watch them grow into great adults, adults and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and one, thing, one thing about me too, guys, and I have to say this, I dedicated myself for so many years to just like trying to be the best athlete I could possibly be. But then I had to step back, you know, as my kids, they were growing up, you know, dropping your kids off at school, picking them up, doing those things, you know, going to those uh, parent meetings and all of that stuff. And it's just something I, you know, you can't put a price on that. There's nothing better. It's, It's how special that is, man. Then, like I said, to watch them grow into adults and uh, and still have that same drive in life to be successful, you know, you feel like you have, you know, done your job. Well, there's nothing better. And, and this conversation and more conversations like this, this is why we're doing You Think. We think these stories are so impactful. We think there's so much to unpack here and learn that other families can take from your perspective and the other stories that we uncover on this journey of exploring this wild experience that is youth sports so everyone please give it up all-time greatest football player well, i appreciate you joining us thank your, you. your thank voice you and me. perspective is amazing thank you and uh the fact that you took time to speak with me and talk about this and have a little fun reflecting was an honor so, so thank you had you. nine catches for 180 like 184 okay. monday night football and my dad wanted to ask me why i dropped third down <laughs> I was but, like, I love you too, but, Dad. But, but he, but he, how he knew the way he asked you though. He knows it was perfect. Of course. He said, "What happened on that catch?" You did great, but what happened on that catch? <laughs> and, guess, and guess what? I stood there in the lobby. I'll never forget it. We're in the Bank of America Stadium, standing in the lobby, and I was like, you know, it was kind of on my back pad, and I was worried about my feet because I knew I was on the boundary, and like I started replaying it in my head, you know, and I'm like, instead of being like. I don't know, Dad. Um, now I'm, like, explaining it to myself and him and, like, reenacting why I didn't catch it. It's an exhausting world. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, there's nothing better, man. There's yeah. nothing better than pursuing things that you love to do. 
and being able to watch your kids pursue things they love to do. Man, thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate man. it, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. What's up, everybody? Uh, I hope you enjoyed what I found to be a fascinating conversation with one of the all-time greatest athletes, not just great to, greatest football players, one of the all-time greatest athletes, and to have the opportunity to just get an insight into his mind, an insight into his approach, how he views life, how he viewed his early stages of his life growing up in Mississippi, his background, what, the work ethic he learned from his father, a bricklayer, and the impact that had. You know, we, we've, we've talked on this show about that being that mentor, you know, being that one coach who changes a life. And to hear Jerry tell the story of he didn't he wasn't allowed to play high school football. His mom, his mom didn't let him play football growing up. And then he was running through the halls and his principal caught him. And just that one moment, that one moment that very easily could have been nothing. And he could have just continued on with the rest of his day and the rest of his life. But that one conversation with his high school principal to encourage him to say, hey, let's talk to your mom come out for the football team, I see something in you. It took that one adult, that one person, to identify that to him and open his eyeballs and say, hey, there's something special in here. Come on out for this team and let's try to find it. And then all of a sudden that kid becomes Jerry Rice. You know, that's something that, that really hits home. I think it's the, the core of this show is to be that person, be that light, be that inspiration that affects just that one child. Because you never know who it's going to be. There's one thing that's synonymous with Jerry Rice. And whether you were an avid fan or a diehard fan or you just knew him in general, every single person identifies Jerry Rice and work ethic. The hills, the running, the conditioning after practice, missing, I don't even, missing very few games in almost two decades of playing NFL football at wide receiver. You know, having over 1,000 yards at the age, over the age of 40. You know, the things he accomplished because he never let people define him. It's something else that, that caught me from the conversation, you know, when we were sitting there and I asked him, I said, all right, so I'm your high school, I'm your kid's high school coach. And he's playing wide receiver, you know, Jerry Jr.'s playing wide receiver. Am I allowed to coach Jerry Rice's kid on his release and on his top of his break? And, you know, I, I said it kind of in jest, but I also was curious, like, that must be challenging for these high school coaches. You know, here I am. I'm supposed to coach every kid the same, and I'm coaching a wide receiver. And, oh, by the way, in the back of his jersey, it says Rice. And the guy standing up there in the bleachers is the all-time greatest. I better make sure I know what I'm doing. I better make sure that I'm teaching him the right techniques, the right stuff, because he's going to go home, and the guy that's putting him to bed at night, there's not many guys who do it better than him. So I found his answer of yes. And, and to hear him reflect, and he kind of made light of it, but to hear him reflect on how he felt the value of coaching and he wanted to be coached. He talked about his early days in San Francisco where he encouraged the other players and the other coaches, you know, coach me. I, I want to be coached. And it's just so refreshing to hear the best players I've ever been around. They want to be coached. They don't tolerate coaching. They don't just roll their eyes and accept it. They crave it. They seek it. They want feedback. They want to be challenged. There is no greater experience than watching your kids succeed, try, maybe fail, but push themselves towards something that they genuinely care about. And then here you have Jerry Rice, who's living and dying with a Friday night high school football catch that once it's over, no one in the world's going to know. This guy's catching Super Bowl touchdowns 
and you could just see it in his eyes and hear it in his heart. He was just, that was the biggest catch of his life was watching his kid succeed or fail or try to push the limits. And I just think it was the perfect summary and the perfect vibe of what this conversation and really what this show is all about. I can't stress how, how much I enjoyed that conversation. I can't stress how much I took from that conversation. I hope you guys loved it. We have so many more cool conversations just like that with really interesting people and really unique perspectives as we carry on with season one of You Think. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you guys are loving this journey that we're taking together. Thank you again for following along with You Think. You guys can rate, you can subscribe, go visit us wherever you get your podcasts. Make us part of your weekly routine. And uh, we appreciate you guys hanging. We'll see you next week. Thanks.